something good. Amen. Well, we're going to receive the Lord's tithe and your offering very quickly. Uh, let's go back over to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, this is where um, I'm just sort of uh, where our financial portion of our service is just sort of living uh, because you know, uh, years ago, I was at a, uh, a school of pastoral nurture uh, when uh, Dr. Jack Hayford, when he was still, uh, uh, before he moved to heaven, every year he would have a school of pastoral nurture. And uh, at his, uh, well, it was at Church on the Way where he used to be the pastor at the King's College at that time in seminary. And uh, so we were there and... Uh, he made a statement one time that just that blessed me. He said, you know, there are times as pastors, you may not really have an idea what to preach on. He said, uh, just uh, preach on what's what's ministering to you right now. And uh, I mean, uh, now I'm rarely without things to preach on. But uh, my point in saying all that is Matthew six has just ministered to me so much over the years. And uh, here in Matthew chapter six. Uh, Jesus makes a statement in verse 22. He says, the light of the body is the eye. And he says, therefore, if your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. And if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the darkness, if therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? So he talks about your eye being single, having a single eye, uh, a, a generous eye, a good eye. But then he goes on the next verse and says, uh, no man can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And, uh, you know, year, all, all those years ago when Pastor Michelle and I began to get a hold of the Word of God about finances, it was like we were supernaturally poor. Uh, like, no matter what we did, no matter what we did in the natural, we just couldn't turn the corner. And, you know, it, it, laziness was never a problem. I mean, she was, Pastor Michelle was working all the hours she could get. I was working all the hours they would give me. And there just, there seemed to be something that there was just this, this, uh, I don't want to say manifestation, but just this wall that we kept coming up against that no matter what we did, we just couldn't get over it. And part of that, of course, was being committed uh, uh, to tithing and, and making that something that we did on a consistent basis. But here's something that, that uh, revolutionized our life. He said, if your eye is single, if your eye is single, we made a decision together that if we found it in the Word, that's what we were going to do. If we saw it in the Word of God, that settled the issue. Ever, ever what it was, if we saw it, that's how it was going to be. And uh, so that, that began to set us on this road of understanding, you can't serve two masters. All right? in, in, in other words, you can't do things the world's way and try to expect what God has promised. I've got to make a decision that I'm going to do this God's way. One of the things that, that uh, impacted me so was when God started dealing with us to come out of debt 
in Romans 13, 8, the Amplified Bible says, keep out of debt and owe no man anything. Well, at that point, see, we found it in the Word. When you make a quality decision, and it says, this is what the Word says, now I've, I've got a decision of quality that I've got to make. And at that point, it didn't matter what we had or what we didn't have or what we needed. We weren't going in debt. We were coming out of debt. All right? Because we found it in the Word. Does that make sense? For instance, when you find it in the Word, if there was no blessing attached to tithing, you should still tithe because God asked you to in His Word. If you find it in the Word, you do it. And, and, and so when a person gives, when we sow, we're giving. Now, hear me. You know, in our circles, and, and it's true, it's absolutely right, you give and you receive. But think about this. If there was no receiving, I should still give because God asked me to. Because the, the, the purpose of my giving is to get the, the purpose and the plan of God accomplished in the earth. Amen. And there's a harvest built into it. But there, there comes a point where I'm doing it just because the Word said it. Amen. I, does that make sense? I'm, I'm doing it just because the Word says. And He said, if, you're, if you hear My Word and you do it, this is who I'll liken you to. A man that built his house on the rock, and the storms came, and the floods came, and the winds blew, but that house stood sure. Because he what? He heard the Word and acted on the Word. Amen. I, I had a couple one time that, that came to me with a seed. And, and uh, they had known other people that had sowed uh, uh, seeds and and so they came and they said pastor this is the seed we need to sow and 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 they sowed it and when they sowed the seed it was just it was just obvious to me something is not clicking well what they were doing were they were so they were sowing they were sowing a seed just simply because of their need at some point you got to move past sowing seed just because you have a need and sowing seed just because God asked you to. I saw it in the word. Right? And 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 the return, the return is inevitable. Because anything anytime you do what God asks you, God said you can't do what I ask you that I won't bless you. But see it's it's a mindset, okay? I see it in the Word. I'm, and then what is that? That's seeking first the kingdom. Because I see it in the Word. Amen. So if, if, if I see it in the Word, then that settles the issue. And you become single-minded on the Word. This is what the Word says. You, you've got to have that built-in response. This is what the Word says. All right. For instance, you read Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of your need. That's what the Word says. And so you don't expect anything other than all your need to be supplied. Because that's what the Word says. See, to, to do anything else is to be double-minded. All right. For instance, where he said here in verse 25. Now, verse 25, here's a revelation for you. Follows verse 24. 
That said, no man can serve two masters, right? You cannot serve God and riches. Therefore, I know we don't use that word a lot in our everyday English, everyday language, right? But he's saying, I'm asking you and telling you that you can't serve two masters. Therefore, in light of the fact that you can't serve two masters, take no thought saying. Is that right? Take no thought for your life. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or your body, what we'll put on? Is not the life more than meat, the body more than raiment? Now follow me here. So to worry about what I'm going to do is to serve money. Wouldn't that be the context? Wouldn't that be the, the understanding? He said, he said, you can't serve two masters, so in light of that, don't worry. So worry about finances, worry about how I'm going to make it, is to serve two masters. And But what the Word say? Don't worry. So what do I base my not worrying on? What I found in the Word. And in that way, poverty has no authority over you. Because the only way, the only way poverty can get an inroad into your life is if you worry about money. Because poverty is not enough. And what are you worried about? Not enough money. So you're worried about poverty. And the only way poverty can get an inroad into my life is if I worry about it. Amen. But, but when I refuse to worry, right? There's a wonderful book in the foyer called Refusing to Care. When I, when I refuse to worry, what I refuse to worry about, the devil can't get into my life. Right? Because remember what the Lord said? He said, when you worry, you prop the door open for everything else the enemy wants to bring into your life. Amen. Do you see that? So important. So we're not going not gonna to give our attention to anything other than the Word of God. You've got to make that quality decision. Amen. And, 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 and when you make that decision that this, this is not just the final word, this is period, this is, that's all there is, right? I'm not, I'm not going to go to any, any other sources, amen? Well, if you'd like to give tonight, there is an offering envelope there in the seat back in front of you. You can sow into the kingdom of God tonight. God is so good to us, amen? Thank you, Father. You can uh, also text to give FBLR plus amount to 28950. If you're watching online, you can also give there at buildfaith.net. We have a safe and secure way for you to give on the website there. When you're ready to sow tonight, why don't you lift your seed up to the Lord. Father, we thank you for the giving tonight. We thank you for the seed that's being sown into the ground of the kingdom of God. And according to Mark chapter 10, Father, you said that the, Jesus said that the ground of the kingdom would produce over our lifetime a hundredfold return. So, Father, even the seed that we sowed a year ago, I am still reaping the harvest off of that because it has not played out or exhausted the hundredfold return. And so I thank you for that generous return that you promised us in the name of Jesus, amen.
And amen. Hallelujah. You can come rejoicing tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we lift these tithes and offerings to you tonight, these seeds. And Father, we thank you that as your people have given, that they are blessed, they are prosperous, they are healed. And Father, I thank you as the under-shepherd in this church, Father, that you provide an accelerated return and an expedited harvest into their lives in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, let's go one chapter back there from where you're at, Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we started a, a series on Sunday morning entitled, Being a Person of Influence. And uh, I want to continue with that tonight. And uh, a brief recap, we talked uh, Sunday morning about how uh, we influence people uh, in different ways. And one of the ways that we influence people is we influence people when we make it through things that we shouldn't have got out of. Amen. We, we influence people when we're wiser than them. And, uh, uh, and, then, and then we talked about three ways that we influence people through the Word of God. And the whole context there was that we influence people with the Word and the Word operating in our lives. And uh, over here in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 13, Jesus says something. He said, you are the salt of the earth. And then he said, but if the salt has lost his savor, or the, the saltiness, wherewith shall it be salted? It's henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So notice Jesus says two things. He says that we're salt, and he says as believers that we're salt and that we're light. Salt and light at their base are influence. All right, if, if you're eating something and it tastes a little bland, you put some salt on it, it influences the way that that food tastes. When you come into a dark room and you flip the light on, it influences the atmosphere, primarily in the aspect that the darkness has to go because the light has come on. But Jesus makes a statement that in, in these, these verses that I think is so important. He says, if you're not going to be salty then you're not living up to your potential in the kingdom. He says salt is only good if it's being salt. And then he said you have a light, and your light is not intended to be hidden. It's intended to be put on a lampstand so it can light the whole house. Over and over again, Jesus made references to, to houses, and when he would reference a house, it was a reference to that person's life. And Jesus says, I want your light to be so bright that it, it fills all of your life. And he said, people will see the good works in your life and they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
That's influence. You know, you'll hear people say, that person at work came to me and they said, there's just something different about you. It's called light. They saw the good works in your life and they were willing to glorify God. The Message Bible says this. It says, you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors in the earth. Oh, I like that. Amen. We, we, we're here to bring out the God flavors in the earth. Amen. He went on and said, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. Amen. Bringing out the God colors in the world. There, there are people, and this is a, an elementary statement, but there are people that will never know what God is like aside from knowing you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Have, have you ever run into a Christian and you didn't want to know the God they knew? I have. Hallelujah. You need to get saved. Come to know Jesus. Not your Jesus. I don't. But, amen. Because, because he said they'll see your what? Your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. He went on and said in the Message Bible, Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. Your generous Father in heaven. So by being open with people, by being influenced in their life. And you know something I've learned about influence is influence is something that can be subtle. You can just be around somebody and come under their influence and just start influencing their life. There are things that the Bible says that we can do that will influence people for the kingdom of God. Amen. So we are salt and light. We're the preservative in the earth. You know, Paul wrote to the Thessalonican church and he made this statement. He, he was talking about the local church, the, the body of Christ in the earth. And after he talked about the body of Christ, he said, now you know what is withholding the man of sin. Now you know what's withholding the tribulation. Now you know what's withholding the Antichrist. It's the church. As long as the church is in the earth, the earth is preserved. Amen. When the church leaves, that's when everything falls apart. I hear so many people saying, oh, it's the worst of times. You haven't seen the worst of times. You'll see the worst of times when the church is gone. Do, do you realize right now the church is praying? Right now the church universally is praying. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for our city, our state, our nation, our world. All of us are praying for our leaders. Amen. We're praying for the president. We're praying for the vice president. We're praying for our governors. Why? Because we found it in the Word. And he said, I exhort first of all that prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men and for kings and all that are in authority so that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And then the next verse says, because God wants all men to be saved. Are you, are you see we're influencing the world that we're in hallelujah when 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 people when listen when we start talking like the world we're putting our light out we're no longer salt when 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 Christians start talking about how horrible things are oh, I don't know what we're going to do what we're going to do is keep doing what the word says and just influence the people that we come in contact with. 
I, I was telling the story Sunday. I'll retell it. Uh, I was I was at the the KCM ministers conference uh, two weeks ago now, and uh, or it was last week, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have been last week. It's actually last Wednesday when this happened, and I was talking to. Uh, a person that I've known for years and I love them. I have nothing against them. Please don't misunderstand that at all. But they came up to me and they started talking to me and they said, well, what do you think about the politics? And in my, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something to the effect of, well, I don't. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and they were talking about, well, the, the midterm sure didn't go the way we wanted it to go. And I said, well, you know, God's good. I mean, I thought it went pretty good. We didn't win as many things as people wanted to win. But, right? People with a godly mindset are in charge of Congress. We've made strides. You understand what I'm saying? And, and they just kind of looked at me. And they said, well, what do you see for the future? I said, the future's bright. Victory. That's what I see in the future. That's what I see in the future. Amen. See, we've preached for years that the church is not going to go out of here in a whimper. We're going to go out of here with a glorious shout. Well, let's act like that's what we're going to do. Amen. Amen. No, no matter what happens, I, I'm, I'm, I want to help you with this. No matter what happens, you're still a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're still the righteousness of God in Christ. You're still more than a conqueror. You're still able to overcome anything that comes your way because greater is He that is in you than he that's in the world. Glory be to God. We're salt and light. We influence the world we live in. When, when people have interactions with us, they should come away feeling better. They should come away feeling more joyful. They should come away feeling more, more at ease and more at peace. I've had people tell me, when I get around you, I just a peace comes over me. It's because it's that influence. Everything is going to be alright. Hallelujah. How do you know that? Because the Bible says so. Isn't that a good thing to judge and base your life on? Oh, hallelujah. Say out loud, I'm influenced in the earth. Say this, I'm not influenced by the world. I influence the world. Hallelujah. Look at John chapter 13. We're going to talk about another way that we influence the world and influence each other. John 13 Verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Now notice, notice how he says to love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, now what's the understood subject there? Love, by this love, by you loving each other the way I loved you, all men will know that you're my disciples. Now notice, notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say by moving in the gifts, people will know you're my disciples. By pre praying in tongues and speaking in tongues, they'll know you're my disciples. He said, they'll know you're my disciples because you love each other the way I loved you. Now here's the thing. How did Jesus love us? Unconditionally. 
Is that right? Unconditional love. Right? Did, any, did, he, did he find anybody in here that didn't need to be saved? And, and did he look at anything you were doing and saying, you stop that and I'll save you? Or did he save you in your mess and save you in your issues? And Right? Hallelujah. It, isn't that good news? I was listening to a testimony today of a, of a man I really like, and, and he talked about how he was so messed up and he had backslidden, was away from God, and he, and he, and he was laying there wondering how he was going to get more drug money. And he said, all of a sudden, the presence of God came in the room, and he said, I had a spiritual experience. is the only way I can explain it. And he said, all I know is I passed out on that couch, a drug addict, and I woke up and didn't have any desire for drugs. I didn't have any desire for the things of the world anymore. Well, what had happened, God had met him unconditionally. Right? So Jesus said, this is how they'll know. Now notice, he said, by this all men, well, all men would be sinners, born again people. All men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Amen. One translation, the Knox translation says, the mark by which all men will know you are my disciples is love. That's the mark. So Jesus said, it, it was a commandment to walk in love towards one another. Right? A new commandment I give you. That you love one another. Now you can take that and say, well, I'm loving you because I'm commanded to. And that's the wrong mindset. Right? Do you see that? It, it's a commandment in the sense that Jesus is saying, all these commandments that went before, He said, look, I'm fulfilling, I'm fulfilling the law I'm fulfilling all of these, I'm fulfilling all these righteous requirements, and I'm leaving you with this one commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Now think about that. How, how, influential, how influential would I be if I loved people like Jesus loved me? Amen. So from what Jesus said, we can gather that the predominant factor in a Christian's life should be love. The predominant factor in a Christian's life should be love. Hallelujah. The Williams translation of John 13.35 says, If you keep on showing love one for another, men will know that you're my disciples. So we don't love because we are commanded to. We love because we want to please the Father. Remember, I see it in the Word, and so that becomes my directive. Amen. Jesus perfectly pleased the Father, and He constantly walked in love. Constantly walked in love. Amen. Look here at John 13, John chapter 13 and verse 1. 
It's talking about Jesus before the feast of Passover. And it says, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them to the end. One translation says, he showed forth his love to the end. So the outstanding characteristic that we see about Jesus all the way to the end was he showed his love. He consistently walked in love, consistently loved the disciples, consistently loved his followers. Hallelujah. In uh, Luke 19, see, because influence never just blends in. If, if you're an influence, that means, that means that there's something about you that stands out. Right? The Bible, the Bible says that what, how Jesus influenced people, it says when people heard Him teach, that they were astonished because He taught as one that had authority. Not like the scribes and the Pharisees. Well, well, why didn't they have any authority? It was the deadness of the letter that they, were min- that they were ministering. Jesus ministered out of the Word and out of the Spirit. And He had authority. He, he influenced people. He had multitudes follow Him because of His influence on them. They would go and say, never a man spoke like this man. What the woman at the well say? She went into the city and said, come see a man that told me everything I have ever done. Isn't this the Christ? Isn't this the one that... See, he influenced her. He went and met her at that well. And she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're exactly right. You've had five of them. And the guy you're with now isn't your husband. But here's what I want you to notice. He didn't say, and, and that's so sinful and that's so wrong and that's so and you're you're shacking up and you're living right he influenced her he didn't he didn't put his approval on it he never said it was right he told her you need to get things right but it was his influence on her amen and she turned around and went and brought the whole city to him because of his influence amen Remember what we said Sunday? That you can speak the truth, you can speak the truth to people, but you speak it in love. I'm saying this to you because I love you. Right? And 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 that becomes that becomes something that we miss sometimes. Folks, listen, listen to this. Criticism can never be loving. You can't, I don't care who you're criticizing. If you're critical of them, you don't love them. This, this is an issue. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use and persecute you. So why do we have ministers in the pulpit that are just bad-mouthing everybody in government, talking against them like they have no fear of God, when the Bible says we're supposed to love those 
that may be our enemies. Not one amen in this Presbyterian church. Well, I disagree with their policies. What does that change? See, policies can't change what I'm commanded to do. Hallelujah. Do you understand why I'm saying that? How can I influence the world if, if I'm talking like they talk? See, they badmouth what we believe and criticize what we believe. We, we can't afford to be that same, give that same measure back. Jesus, Jesus said when they persecute you and accuse you falsely, He said, hold your peace. The Holy Spirit will give you words to say. Don't worry about it. Don't go around trying to defend yourself. Walk in love. I heard a minister say that you're not born again if you call Mr. Biden your president. Well, he is. Regardless of how you voted, he is. He's the president. Well, I don't believe it. doesn't matter if you believe it or not. That It doesn't matter. You can just get over there with all the pseudo-prophets that said he wasn't going to win. And he did. The point is, if, if we're going to walk in love and influence people, right? i got to look past the politics. i got to look past what they believe that is wrong. And i got to adhere to the Word where I can and pray in love for them so that it will be quiet and peaceable in my life. Amen. Well, you'll have believers that it's not my president. Then whose president is he? Who's, who's your president? There's only one. See, this is important. So the guy didn't win that you wanted to win. How many times has that happened? Several over the years. Amen. And then sometimes our guy won and we wished he hadn't. Dear Lord, why did we vote that fool in there? Amen. Do you understand why I'm saying this? Because I cannot walk out of love out of one side of my mouth and then want God to do something for me out of the other side of my mouth. Because i got to go to God with a clean conscience. And he said, remember what he said? And, and remember what Peter said? He said, there are people that are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. And he said, you've got to get some fear of God in you and realize that even the angel, Michael, when he was disputing with Satan over the body of Moses, durst not bring a railing accusation against him, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. What does that mean? He didn't, he didn't look at the devil and call him all kinds of names. He just said, the Lord rebuke you. you you got, you got to watch that. If I'm supposed to walk in love, and love is the primary influence in my life, I can't find myself over there using words that I wouldn't use against anybody that I didn't feel was an enemy. They can only be your enemy if you'll let them be your enemy. Amen. Do, do you see that? And the policies can be as wrong as they are. And, and as wrong as, as, as possible. 
but it doesn't change what I'm supposed to do. Amen. Doesn't change what I'm supposed to do. Well, therefore this, and, and therefore that, and therefore uh, abortion rights, and, and therefore, you know, uh, uh, transgender rights, and, and therefore all these different rights. Well, I understand, but what does the Bible say in 1 Corinthians 4 4? What does he say the problem is with them? Their minds are blinded. They can't think right because the God of this world has blinded their minds. If God desires that all men come to repentance, shouldn't we desire that all men come to repentance? You can't talk about somebody like you don't care about them and then say you do. you got to care about people's soul. Amen. Because that's what he said in 1 Timothy. He said, I want all men to be saved. So he wants the president to be saved. He wants the vice president to be saved. He wants the liberal governor to be saved. He wants the Republican governor to be saved. He wants all men everywhere to be saved. What's our job? Pray that over them. Father, send the light to our president. Surround him with people that will witness the gospel to him. Lord, help him see where he's making mistakes. That's my job. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Don't, folks, I'm telling you as your pastor, don't be found on the criticism side. That's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be. All I got to do is take you over to Numbers. All Miriam and Aaron did was criticize Moses for marrying a different woman. And then they made this statement, does God only speak to you? And God showed up and said, y'all meet me down at the tabernacle. And he said, in this camp, I don't talk to Moses like I talk to you. I talk to you in dark sayings and visions and dreams. I talk to him face to face. Right? And when the glory cloud lifted, Miriam was white as snow with leprosy. Well, what was it? Judgment. For what? Criticism. You mean God's going to strike me with leprosy? No. I mean this. When you criticize, you open the door up to things that God doesn't want in your life. And the only way I can shut it is shut the door and walk in love. You don't criticize your brother. You don't criticize other ministers. You don't criticize pastors. I don't care if they're as wrong as wrong can be. I can call it wrong and not criticize them. You, 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 you have to be aware of that. Yes. Amen. I've, I've, watched, I've watched so-called prophets miss it so big, it was impossible to see that they didn't miss it. It was impossible to even make what they said sound even remotely right. Amen. This is going to happen, and it didn't happen. But the Lord told me, and it didn't happen. Well, you can, you can call that wrong without criticizing them. Is that right? Oh, hallelujah. Remember what I told you my pastor always taught me? Walk in love and stay above the fray. I'm not going to get, right? I'm not going to get into to, 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 to criticism because once I get into criticism, I can't be in love and be critis- critical. 
Remember in, in, in the book of Luke, Jesus said, judge not. And he said, you'll not be judged. The, the Weiss translation says, don't judge with a censorious criticism or a censorious judgment. The word censorious means to be severely critical. Jesus said, don't be critical. Why? Because when you place yourself in the position of a critic, you're saying, I have nothing to be judged in me, so I qualify to criticize you. And that's why Jesus used two instances. He said, he said this, can the blind lead the blind? They'll both fall in the ditch. What was he saying? Y'all that are being critical, you're just as blind as the person you're criticizing. And you're both going to end up in the ditch. And then what did he say? He said, you that are pointing out the splinter in your brother's eye, you can't see that you got a plank in your own eye. He said, pull the plank out of your eye, and then you watch. Then you can help your brother. What's the goal? Help my brother. Well, how do I do that? i got to get the plank out of my own eye. Do you see that? When I set myself up in the, in the position of a critic, I'm saying, I know best. I don't have anything i got to work on. That's, see, only perfection qualifies to criticize. Because the only person that can, that can really critique is a person that has perfection. And that's what the Weiss Bible says when he said, uh, 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 the, the, the servant is not above their master. Or the Amplified Bible, I believe it is. It says, when you have reached perfection, then you qualify to be on the same level with the Master. Not till then. See, it's important. Because when I find myself in the... I can't pray for somebody I criticize. How, well, how am I going to pray? When, all you, when, when you point out everything that's wrong... And you point out everything that they need to change. And they point, you point, right? I've counseled, I don't know how many hundreds of marriages in, in, in my time in the ministry. And, and, and I've said this over and over again. I have yet to have a couple come in my office and either one of them go, it's me, I'm the problem, just deal with me and our marriage will be great. You know what I've heard countless times? She does this. And she does that. And she won't. And he won't. And he does. And they won't. Criticizing each other. Is it no wonder that love is not thriving in that marriage because they're critical of each other? If I'm doing something wrong, tell me. Don't criticize me. Isn't that what the Bible says? Jesus says if your brother makes a mistake, if your brother fails, if your brother uh, does something wrong, go to him. Not criticize him. Amen. And folks, there are people, listen, there are people in the church world so crooked that when they die, they'll screw them in the ground. They're crooked. But we can't criticize them. Amen. There are blatant prophets and apostles, pseudo-prophets and wannabe apostles that are running around saying garbage, but we can't criticize them. 
we got to keep pointing people back to the Word. This is what the Word says. I'm going to love you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you grow. I'm going to do everything I can in my power to see you succeed. And if anybody criticizes you, it's not going to be me. It's going to be somebody else because I love you. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I love you. Hallelujah. So important. Because when you get, when you get found on the, on the side of the critic, that's, that's what the Bible says when it says, uh, uh, blessed is the man that does not walk in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. That's the critic. See, the critic wants a seat that he can criticize from. Amen. You know, in a court, there's only one person qualified to make a decision. That's the one behind the bench called the judge. Now, in the natural, I know judges aren't perfect, but there, there's the idea we have. The Bible calls God the righteous judge of all the earth. There's, there's only one being that has a right to criticize, and He won't, and that's the Father. He judges a righteous judgment. Oh, hallelujah. Did you find Luke 19? And verse 10, notice what it says. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. The Message Bible says the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. To find and restore them. Remember what Jesus constantly said about the religious leaders of His day? He said, you don't care about the people. You bind heavy burdens on them. You, you, you give them burdens that nobody can carry. Amen. He said, I come to find and restore. Everybody say restore. Restore the lost. Have you ever been in a position that you just needed to be restored? You just needed somebody to come along and put their arm around you and say, it's going to get better. Everything's going to get better. Amen. Well, when's it going to get better? I can't tell you when it's going to get better. But I can tell you after walking with Christ most of my life that it will get better. It will get better. You will smile again. You will be happy again. The sun is going to come up in the morning. You're going to be all right. And I'm not going to throw a bunch of verses at you. I'm just going to tell you, if you need a shoulder to lean on, I'm here. If you need a hand to help you up, I'm here. And I'm not worried about what you did, and I'm not worried about where you failed. My job is to seek the lost and restore them back to the Father. The whole goal of the church is to seek the lost and restore them back to the Father. We are the beacon of light in the darkness in our city, our state, our nation, our world. And God's saying, I want you to touch a people group. I want you to touch a city. I want you to touch a generation. And I want you to know that I'll res I want you to tell people that I'll restore them if they'll just turn to me. Glory to God. Amen. I was, uh, last year, I was at the minister's conference, KCM, and there was a, a minister, I won't mention his name, you would know him if I mentioned him, and, and he, that Brother Copeland brought him to the stage, and Brother Copeland's son was there with him, and this minister was a powerful minister, and he got off into New Ageism, and he got over into teaching some really bad stuff, and bad stuff, he had had such an impact on my life. 
I mean, I, uh, he was one of the ministers that changed our life financially from the 1998 finance convention. And uh, so uh, it was after they had been on the stage and I was going back out to, to work the, the media table for pastor and I saw him walking across the foyer and I called his name. I said, hey brother, and, and he stopped and I, and I walked up to him and I said, I just want to let you know, I said, you ministered a message at the 98 finance convention entitled, what you going to do with what you got? And I said, that changed my life financially. And he looked at me and just, just teared up in his eyes and he said, well, he said, I wish I would have stayed with that path, but I didn't. And I said, I just want you to know I love you and you changed my life. And, 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 then he was, and then he was walking past Pastor Michelle, and she told him some things. And, 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 you know, I didn't know if I'd ever see him again. I was back in the speaker's room this past conference waiting on Pastor. And, and who come out the door? Same man, same preacher. And I said, hey, brother. And, I, and, I, and, and he turned around and came back to me. I said, I don't know if you remember me. He said, yes, I do remember you from last year. And I said, I just wanted to tell you I love you, and I've been praying for you. And he started crying. And he looked at me and took my hand and said, I want to thank you for loving me. I want to thank you for loving me. And, and I saw him this year at the conference with his hands lifted up. With, with, a, with a, taking notes. What's God doing? Restoring him. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? It's, it's not, well, well, they did this wrong and they did that wrong. I understand. But to constantly point out what a person did wrong is to find yourself on the side of the critic. We judge what was wrong. That was wrong. What you did was wrong. Let's repent. Let's get restored. Let's get back into the game. Oh, I'm preaching myself happy. See, that's an attitude of love. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if, if, if one of your brothers be overtaken in a fall, you that are spiritual, restore him in, in the bond of meekness. And it said, because you need to pay attention to your own self. So I want to be humble. See, I can't be critical in humility. Pride criticizes. Amen. Say, say that with me. Say, I cannot be humble and be critical. Because again, being critical means that I know and I qualify to criticize. Let's, let's hurry. Matthew chapter 9. I got to preach in there and preach a lot of my time away. But it needed to be said. Hallelujah. Yeah, Lord, I'll say that. And you know, you people, you, every person is going to do what they want to do. You know, any, anything that you hear me say, I mean, it's totally up to you whether you do anything that is said from the pulpit. But here's the thing. You can't, you can't get past what's plainly written in Scripture. Do, do you remember, we see two instances, uh, uh, or the instance with uh, Paul, when, when he was in uh, uh, standing before the high priest. And you remember the high priest slapped him? And Paul said, you whited sepulcher, God will strike you. And the man said, you dare speak to the high priest that way? Paul repented. 
and said, forgive me, I didn't know that you were the high priest. And that high priest was trying to get him put to death through shenanigans. He had paid people to kill Paul. And Paul said, I repent. I didn't know you were the high priest. Why? What did God say? Don't be on the side that's unafraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Hallelujah. Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Hallelujah. Moved with compassion. His compassion moved him. His love for the people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In uh, Matthew 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard of it, the death of John the Baptist, he departed by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. Notice his first response when he sees all of these multitudes in both instances is to, is to be moved with compassion. That should be our first response. Is to be moved with compassion. I'll tell you that guy's problem. We don't need to know his problem. We need to show compassion. Amen. You got to be careful with that. You got you to be careful just judging why people are going through what they're going through. Why somebody's sick. Why somebody's dealing with something. That, that's why people cover up things in, in our circles. Because they, they don't want anybody to judge them. They don't want to feel like they're falling short. And so their embarrassment keeps them from asking for help. Or their embarrassment keeps them from saying they don't know. Amen. There's a variety of reasons why people aren't healed. But unless God tells you, you don't know. And so your job is to pray for that person. And to pray with that person. And get them the help that they need. Amen. Do you see that? I've had people before say, bless God, I'm not sick and I'm not going to get sick. Well, good for you, goober. We, we, none of us want to be sick. And we should believe God that we don't get sick. But when, you, when you're dealing with a brother or sister that's dealing with someone, dealing with something, I want to come alongside them and aid them and help them, help them get to the place that they can believe God. That's compassion. That's compassion. My heart, my heart has to go out to people. That's how I'm going to influence them. Amen. Am I helping you so far? Matthew 15, 32. We're not far from being done. The Phillips translation says that that of Matthew 14, he was very deeply moved. You know, the Bible says even today that Jesus is touched with the feeling of your infirmity. 
And the Bible says that when you have a problem, that He runs very quickly to secure you. It says because He suffered being tempted in all points like as we are, that He is able to secure them that are being tempted. And that He runs quickly to your aid and helps you. Oh, isn't that good news? God, God is such a God of love that He won't tempt you with evil and He can't be tempted with evil. Amen. So God's never tempted to criticize you. God's never tempted to run you down. The only thing God wants to do is help you. He said when you have a problem, you have a need, you have an issue, come boldly to the throne and you'll find grace to help you in your time of need. Oh, hallelujah. Matthew 15, 32. Matthew 15, 32. Then Jesus called His disciples to Him and said, I have compassion on the multitude. Because they continue with me three days and have nothing to eat. Notice this phrase. I will not send them away fasting. Lest they faint in the way. Mm. One translation, the Phillips translation says, Jesus quietly called His disciples to Him. My heart goes out to this crowd, He said. Notice that. You know, there are people that would say, well, they should have brought something to eat. They should have thought about that. Should have planned better. Jesus said, they've been with me three days and I will not send them away fasting. I won't do it. So what then prompted the miracle of the five loaves and the two fishes? The love of God. Amen. Do you think, do you think if we upped the love thermostat, we might see more signs and wonders and miracles? Because what prompted Jesus in these three instances that we've looked at? Compassion. Compassion. When you love people. Amen. I, I, I noticed that in my own life. You can know that God wants to heal and that people can be healed by the laying on of hands. You can know that. But when you start loving people and you want them healed because you love them, not because you're trying to prove something, we don't have to prove the Word of God to be true. The Word of God is true, period. It will always work. We want to lay hands on people because we love them. We want to lay hands on people because we hate the sickness and the disease that's trying to take their life. We want to see families put back together so we don't have little boys and little girls that don't have moms and dads. We want to see families put back together so that people can enjoy their life. We want to love people. Then we're influencing people. Amen. John chapter 8. This will be our last verse. I got about three minutes. We should get through it. Huh. I love you enough to give you one hour of power. You know, and, and I grew up, and, and, and I want to say this. When I say a critical environment, understand what I mean. I had great godly parents. But I grew up in a very critical environment. The Steel fam the Steels period were very critical. Very critical. Very loud, too. Obnoxiously loud. I mean, the louder you were, the righter you were. I mean, if you had an opinion that was different than theirs, they just shouted you down and criticized you while they were doing it. And so, you know, my point is, is that can become something that, that, that you just start falling into and you don't even realize it. Tell you what, people in this town don't even know how to drive. Everybody? 
They don't know how to merge. Don't they know they're supposed to speed up? Yeah, like you, perfect. You don't have no dents in your car either, do you? There is no manual on who's the perfect driver. Boy, it got quiet. Because here's what we know. Everybody should drive like us. Right? I rest my case. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, see, that, that, what I'm saying is, you, you understand why I say that? We, you can fall into criticism, and, you don't, and, and at that point, I'm not an influence. I mean, how could I jump out of the car and get some, and just minister the love of God to somebody that I just called some names? What's wrong with you, doofus? Can't you see? Are you blind? One I heard a lot growing up was, you get your license out of a Cracker Jack box. I just dated myself. Criticism. Tell you, that guy that lives next to me, he don't take care of his yard. His yard's always dead. He's, he's, the, worst, he's the worst yard in the whole neighborhood. Why does that matter? The HOA's going to find him, not you. What if I went and asked him, how can I help you? Hmm. Right? I want to be an influence. Hallelujah. John chapter 8, verse 2, this is when the people came to Jesus, it says, and he taught them. And you remember the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery? And, and I want to hurry through this, but I want you to get this real quickly. Uh, you know, very often I've heard, I've heard ministers say, you know, well, why didn't they bring the man why didn't they this? Why didn't they that? Hey, listen, that's all irrelevant. The woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Whether it was a setup or not, she was caught in adultery. As far as I know, adultery is still sin. Is that right? I'm not justifying if there was a man involved and they were setting. That's not what I'm doing. But the point that I want you to make is you can miss the point. I'll tell you what, that's a setup. They should have brought the man too. Well, they didn't. But the Bible tells us Jesus' interaction with the woman. And, and notice what it says. You'll remember he, he stooped down, wrote in the dirt. When he lifted himself up, verse 12, and saw none but the woman, he said, woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said, now watch, for the sake of emphasis, to a woman caught in the very act of adultery, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now watch. What did Jesus say we were? Light and salt. Look, Jesus spake to them saying, I am the light of the world. After he did what? Showed love. He didn't say 
he didn't say it was okay. He said, look, what you did was sin. Now, I'm not condemning you. Go and sin no more. He said in another instance to the man that he healed, he said, go and don't sin anymore, lest something worse come on you. Jesus never sugarcoated it. But here's what I want you to see. He didn't condemn her. He loved her. Amen. See, love doesn't condemn. It forgives. So Jesus is showing faith builders the pattern for being the light of the world. I thought that was very interesting that he said, I don't condemn you. And then he said, I'm the light of the world. Do you think her life was influenced? You know, I don't know what happened to her. The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe historians might think they know. I don't know. But I believe her life was influenced. I remember, and I'll close with this. There's a time in my life that, you know, I was, I was raised in church. I was, uh, uh, my mother went into labor preaching with me. Went into labor with me while she was preaching. And uh, the very next week I was in church. And uh, my sister used to have a little, a little brown vinyl rocking chair. And I had a little wooden uh, red rocking chair. And uh, they put it on the platform. And uh, that's where we sat. Dad traveled and mom preached. And we sat on the platform and rocked. And we didn't dare do anything but rock because mom carried a switch. And, uh, and she'd nettle those legs. But the point is, so my point is, I've, I've been in, around church my whole life. And I, and I hit a season in my life, not for very long, thank the Lord, that, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't so sure about some things, and, and I wasn't running from God because God had never done anything to me uh, for me to run from Him. Uh, uh, so I was just being carnal. I don't know if you've ever been there. But uh, one day, I'll never forget this, one day, I was, walk, I, was, I was living a very carnal life, and I was walking down the, the sidewalk at Dalhart, Texas, bless its holy name, and, uh, and uh, a car pulled up beside me, and it was like an old 72 Mercury. And in that 72 Mercury was a guy named Sammy Casadas. Sammy Casadas was my youth pastor growing up. And uh, uh, my parents had left the, the town and turned the church over to somebody else, and and I wasn't interested in going to church at the time. And uh, he pulled up and said, hey, you want to ride? Well, it didn't really because, you know, it's like when you're kind of in darkness, you don't necessarily want to be around light. But I got in the car, I got in the boat, and we took off. Those cars, them 72 Mercuries, they didn't ride, they floated. But I remember he, took, he was taking me to my destination when we stopped. He just looked at me. And he reached out and put his hand on my shoulder. He said, I just want you to know that God still has a great plan for your life. And that he loves you with an everlasting love. And I love you. Wow. You know, I got out of that car and I was influenced. It wasn't too long after that I decided, this isn't for me. Now, it wasn't instantaneous. But, but you think about that. I, I was playing the drums in a country music band. Don't ever play the drums in a country music band. But I was playing the, I, well, I wasn't playing the drums. I was actually singing in a country music band. And I did play the drums some. And uh, uh, people, now you know where country bands sing, right? No? Oh, okay, well, 
usually in the bar. But in any event, I'll, let, me, let me finish up. Is, so there would be people that would go to Caprock Feeders where he worked. He was over the, the feed division. And they, and they would talk about coming to hear the band and, 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 and talk about me. And he would tell every one of them, you know he's got a call of God on his life. He's anointed to preach. I heard him when he preached his first message. All that singing you hear him doing, that's the anointing. And they would come back and tell me, he said, you're anointed to preach. You know how hard it is to get a date with somebody that thinks you're anointed to preach? People in sin don't want to go out with preachers. I mean, I was hemmed in on all sides. But my point is, he influenced me. You know, Sammy's in heaven today. But he influenced me. So I'm here in Little Rock, Arkansas, influencing you, partly because he influenced me. And he influenced me with love. He had every right to tell me how wrong I was. And instead, he looked at me and he said, I want you to remember God's got a great plan for your life. Amen. Isn't that good? Tell your neighbor, say, God's got a great plan for you. Hallelujah. Let's stand up tonight, shall we? Praise the Lord. Good to see everybody tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for all you're doing for us. Thank you for all that you are uh, working in our lives. We thank you for the manifestation of your presence. And we thank you, Father, that you love us with an everlasting love. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget Sunday morning, of course, 10 o'clock. Might all show up early to get a good seat. And uh, hallelujah, get a good parking spot. And uh, of course, Sunday night, Pastor Michelle will be ministering. Again, I will be in the Kansas location. We have our alumni banquet for the Kansas location this coming up. Uh, is that you here, Kim? Uh, for this, come, woo, this coming up Saturday. And uh, uh, we're excited. This is going to be maybe, uh, it's about, I think it's our 15th alumni banquet we're celebrating 20 years of the bible school 25 years no 22 years of the bible school and 25 years of of pastoring so god's good to us amen uh so be praying for us amen come on honey praise the lord god's good isn't he come on let's say our vision tonight shall we the vision of this church will always be to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of god you and i will always be World changers, God bless you. Well...